Chapter 12 Badman's Pride, Atheism, Infidelity, and Envy Well, sir, now I've heard enough about Mr. Badman's wickedness. Please proceed to tell me about his death. Why, the sun isn't so low, we still have three hours until night. No, I'm not in any great hurry, but I thought you were done, that you'd told me all about his life. Done? No, I still have much more to say. Then he lived much more wickedly than I thought. That may be the case. So let's proceed. We've talked a good deal about his evil ways, but Mr. Badman added this to all his wickedness. He was a very proud man, exceedingly proud and haughty in mind. He had a look that said he must not be contradicted or opposed because he considered himself to be as wise as the wisest person in the country, as good as the best, and as handsome as any. He took great delight in praising himself, and also relished the praises others gave him. He couldn't stand to have anyone think themselves above him, or to have their intellect or celebrity set before his. He had limited social manners toward his equals, but for those who were of an inferior rank, he looked down on them in great contempt. And if at any time he had a remote occasion having to do with them, he'd act aloof, but with a very domineering spirit. Solomon gave a characteristic note about him when he said, Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who deals in proud wrath. Proverbs 21 verse 24 He never thought his manner of living good enough his clothes fine enough, or his praise refined enough. This pride is a sin that sticks as close to nature as most sins. There's uncleanness and pride. I don't know of any two grosser sins that stick closer to men's nature. I can say these sins have an interest in nature. It likes them because they most flatter its lusts and fantasies. Therefore, it's no surprise that Mr. Badman was tainted with pride, since he had so wickedly given himself up to work all iniquity with greediness. You're right. Pride is a sin that sticks close to nature, and it's one of the first sinful behaviors that shows itself. Even in childhood, even in little children, pride first shows itself in impulsive, early manifestations of the sin. It's that corruption which strives for predominance in the heart and therefore usually comes out first. But while pride in children is incidental, I think those who are older should be ashamed of it. In Mr. Badman's case, he might have first begun with pride, but I think it wasn't only the pride in infancy that made a difference between him and others, like those I told you about when I began describing his life. That's why I passed it over until now, because in the beginning he didn't think any more of himself than most, but his vile and sinful state and his pride flourished as he grew older. That's why I've made mention of his pride now. But please, if you can remember them, tell me of scripture that speaks against pride. I rather desire this because pride is now a leading sin and I sometimes happen to fall into the company of those who, according to my sense of right and wrong, are very proud. I have a mind to tell them of their sin, 
But when I point it out to them, unless I bring God's word too, I don't doubt that they will disregard what I say and just laugh at me. Disregard what you say and laugh at you? That's what the proud man will do no matter what text you bring him, unless God strikes his conscience by the word. Mr. Badman used to work for those who told him about his pride. Besides, when you have said what you can, they will tell you they aren't proud, but that you are the one who is the proud man or you wouldn't judge. Nor would you in such a boldly disrespectful and evil-speaking way meddle with other men's matters like you do. Even so, since you desire it, I will mention two or three verses to help you address pride. Scripture The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the perverse mouth do I hate. Proverbs 8, verse 13 A man's pride shall bring him low. Proverbs 29, verse 23 He shall bring down his pride. Isaiah 25, verse 11 And all the proud, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble and the day that comes shall burn them up. Malachi 4, verse 1 This last verse is dreadful enough to make a proud man shake. God said he will make the proud ones like stubble. That means like fuel for the fire. And that the coming day will be like a burning oven, and they will be burned up. But Mr. Badman could never stand to hear someone speak against pride nor to hear anyone tell him that he was a proud man. Why? What could be the reason for that? He didn't give me the reason, but I suppose it might be that which is common to all wicked people. They love this sin, but don't care to be called by its name. The drunkard loves the sin, but doesn't love to be called a drunkard. The thief loves to steal, but can't stand to be called a thief. The harlot loves to commit immorality, but doesn't love to be called a whore. And in the same way, Mr. Badman loved to be proud, but couldn't stand to be called a proud man. The gratification of sin is desirable to the polluted and corrupted man, but the name of it is a blot against his person. What you've said is true, but how many sorts of pride are there? There are two sorts of pride, pride of spirit and pride of body. The first is made mention of in the scriptures in this way. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 16 verse 5 A high look and a proud heart, which is the fire of the wicked, is sin. Proverbs 21 verse 4 He who has suffered in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. Bodily pride is also mentioned in the Scriptures. Scripture. In that day the Lord will take away the adornment of their shoes, and their hairnets, and their crystals, the chains, and the jewels, and the bracelets, the bonnets, and the ornaments of the legs, and the headbands, and the powders, and the earrings, the rings, and nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, and the mantles, and the veils, and the crisping pins, the looking-glasses, and the fine linen, and the hoods, and the hairdos.
Isaiah 3, verses 18 through 23. By these expressions, it is evident that there is pride of body as well as pride of spirit, and that both are sin and detestable to the Lord. But Mr. Badman could never stand to read these verses. To him they were like Micaiah was to Ahab. They never spoke good about him, but only evil. I suppose Mr. Badman wasn't the only one to criticize those verses that speak against their vices. I believe that's the case for most ungodly men, where the scriptures are concerned, that they have a secret hatred against those words of God that most clearly and fully rebuke them for their sins. That's without a doubt. And by that hatred, they show that sin and Satan are more welcome to them than the wholesome instructions of life and godliness. Not to get sidetracked from our conversation about Mr. Badman when you say he was proud, but can you describe some symptoms of one who is proud? Yes. First, let me show you some symptoms of pride of heart. Pride of heart is seen by outward things. For instance, pride of body in general is a sign of pride of heart because all proud gestures flow from pride of heart. For this reason, Solomon said, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. Proverbs 30, verse 13. And again, there is he that exalts his gate. Proverbs 17, verse 19. Now these lofty eyes and this exalting of the gate are signs of a proud heart, because these are both actions that come from the heart. Scripture. For from within... Out of the heart of men come forth the evil thoughts, the adulteries, the fornications, the murders, the thefts, the covetousness, the wickedness, the deceit, the lasciviousness, the evil eye, the slander, the pride, the unwiseness. Mark 7, verses 21 through 22. More particularly, one, heart pride is exposed by an arrogant carriage of the head and speaking to impress others as they go. For the wicked, the proud, have a proud neck, a proud foot, and a proud tongue, by which their behavior is elevated. This behavior includes looking disdainfully, speaking harshly, and being puffed up among their neighbors. Number two, a proud heart is a bullying heart. Scripture, the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Psalm 10, verse 2. 3. A prayerless man is a proud man. Scripture. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, does not seek after God. Psalm 10, verse 4. Number 4. A contentious man is a proud man. Scripture. Pride shall certainly give birth to contention. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Number 5. The disdainful man is a proud man. Scripture. The proud have had me greatly in derision. Psalm 119, verse 51. Number six. The man who oppresses his neighbor is a proud man. Scripture. Do not let the proud do violence unto me. Psalm 119, verse 122. Number seven. He who doesn't listen to God's word with reverence and fear is a proud man. Scripture. Hear ye and give ear. Do not be proud, for the Lord has spoken. But if ye will not hear this, 
My soul shall weep in secret because of your pride, and weeping bitterly, my eyes shall be undone in tears because the Lord's flock was carried away captive. Jeremiah 13, verse 15 and 17. Number 8. And be sure that he who calls the proud blessed is a proud man. All these are proud in heart, and in these ways their pride of heart exposes itself. Scripture. You have said, It is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept this law, and that we walk mournfully before the Lord of the hosts? We say, therefore, now that blessed are the proud. Malachi 3, verses 14 through 15. As to bodily pride, something of it is exposed by all the particulars already mentioned. Because while these symptoms reveal pride of heart, they are also symptoms that show themselves in the body. You know how internal diseases are often detected by visible outward signs? And by these very outward signs, the outside is also defiled. Consequently, all those visible signs of heart pride are also signs of bodily pride. Other outward signs are also visible, like wearing of gold, pearls, and expensive clothing, fancy braided hairstyles, the following of the latest fashions, and trying to imitate the proud through behavior, including speech, expressions, clothing, movements, or other fool's baubles, which the world is full of at this time. All these and many more are signs of a proud heart and bodily pride, too. Scripture In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in an honest manner, with shyness and modesty, not with ostentatious hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. 1 Timothy 2 verse 9 Let their adorning not be outward with ostentatious hairdos and wearing of gold nor in composition of apparel. But let the interior adorning of the heart be without corruption, and of an agreeable spirit and peaceful, which is precious in the sight of God. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who waited upon God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. 1 Peter 3 verses 3 through 5 but Mr. Badman didn't allow this to be called pride in any way. Rather, he'd refer to it as cleanliness, a degree of beauty or elegance, that which is suitable, and so on. Nor would he allow keeping up with fashion or anything like that to be considered proud or remarkable by his neighbors. I've been told that when some people have been rebuked for their pride, They've turned it around on those who rebuked them, saying, Physician, heal your friends. Look at home, among your family, even among the wisest of you, and see if you yourselves are clear of pride, even you who profess Christ. For who is prouder than you who profess? Scarcely the devil himself. To be truthful, my heart aches at this answer because there's too much truth in it. Mr. Badman gave his wife this very answer at times when she reproved him for his pride. He'd say, we will make big changes in our living now because the devil has become a corrector of evil, for no bigger sin reigns in the world than pride among professors. And who can contradict him? Let's give the devil his due. It's too evident for anyone to deny. 
and I don't doubt that the same answer is ready in the mouths of Mr. Badman's friends, because they can and do see pride displayed in the attire and behavior of those who profess faith in Christ. It's sad to say that one can see almost as much pride among them as they do among any people in the world. I fear their extravagant lifestyles have hardened the hearts of many, and I think this is somewhat like what happened in the heart of Mr. Badman. For my own part, I've seen many, even among church members, who are decked out with new-fangled gaudy fashion and jewelry, and while worshipping God with such painted people, there are times I've wondered what face might sit in their place without swooning. But certainly, the holiness of God and also the pollution of their own sin is far from the minds of such people, whatever kind of profession they make. I've read about a whore's forehead, and I've read of Christian excess modesty. Scripture, Thou dost have a whore's forehead, thou dost refuse to be ashamed. Jeremiah 3, verse 3. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in an honest manner, with shyness and modesty, not with ostentatious hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly clothing. 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. I've read about those who dress in costly clothing and about women who profess godliness with good works. Scripture Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, so that also those who do not obey the word may be won without a word by the conversation of their wives, considering your chaste conversation, which is in fear. Let their adorning not be outward with ostentatious hairdos, and wearing of gold, nor in composition of apparel. 1 Peter 3, verses 1-3 through 3. But let me say I know what I know, and might say, and yet do no wrong regarding that which would make some professors stink in their places. But now I restrain myself. Scripture Therefore Thus hath the Lord of the hosts said against those prophets, Behold, I will cause them to eat wormwood, and make them drink the waters of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is hypocrisy gone forth upon all the land. Jeremiah 23, verse 15. So I can see you are greatly concerned about this, but what if I tell you I've got even more to say on this subject? You see, it's whispered that some good ministers have approved their people to dress in their elegant and extravagant apparel. Yes, they've offered a defense for their gold, pearls, and costly apparel. I don't know what they've offered as a defense for it, but it is easily seen that they tolerate or at least close their eyes to such things and their wives and children. And so from the prophets of Jerusalem is hypocrisy gone forth upon all the land. Jeremiah 23, verse 15. And when the hand of the rulers leads in a sin, who can keep their people from being drowned in that sin? Scripture. And the holy seed is mingled with the peoples of the lands, and the hand of the princes and of the governors has been foremost in this trespass. Ezra 9, verse 2. This is a lament and an expression of grief. Yes, it is, and it must be so. And let me add, 
It's a shame and a reproach. It's a stumbling block to the blind, because while men like Mr. Badman are blind, they can still see the foolish inconsistency at the bottom of all these foolish and unrestrained extravagancies. But many have their excuses ready, that is to say their parents, their husbands, and their breeding calls for it, and other such justifications. Yes, the examples of good people prompt them to it, but all these are like the spider's web, and the thunder of the word of the great God rattles from heaven against them, as it will at death or judgment. I do wish it might happen before then. But sadly, these excuses are nothing but simple pretenses to cover the truth that these proud ones love to have it so. I once talked with a young woman when I scolded her regarding her gaudy garment, but she told me, The tailor made it like this. Unfortunately, that was just another excuse, because the poor proud girl had given the order to the tailor to make it like that. Many passed the blame to parents, husbands, and tailors to hide the truth from others, but their disobedient hearts and their giving way to those wayward hearts is the real cause of all these evils. Now you're talking about the cause of pride. Please, show me further why pride is appealing. Pride of the spirit. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 22, verses 22 through 23. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 11, verse 2. Pride of the body. In that day, the Lord will take away the adornment of their shoes and their hairnets and their crystals. Isaiah 3, verse 18. I'll show you what I think are the reasons for it. The first is because such people are led by their own hearts rather than by the Word of God. Scripture. For from within, out of the heart of men, come forth the evil thoughts, the adulteries, the fornications, the murders, the thefts, the covetousness, the wickedness, the deceit, the lasciviousness, the evil eye, the slander, the pride, the unwiseness. All these evil things come out from within and defile the man. Mark 7 verses 21 through 23. I told you before that the original fountain of pride is the heart. For out of the heart comes pride. Therefore, it's because they are led by their hearts, which naturally tend to lift them up in pride. This pride of heart tempts them, and by its deceits overcomes them. Scripture The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Obadiah 3 a second reason why the professors we're talking about right now are so proud is that they are more apt to follow the example of those who are of the world rather than follow the example of those who are undeniably saints. Pride is of the world, therefore professors learn to be proud. Scripture For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. 1 John 2, verse 16. But they shouldn't consider such people as an example because this pride will be condemned. 
Let those who are as proud as the world accept their shame, because they are guilty. When I say professors should follow the example of those who are undeniably saints, as Peter says, I mean they should follow the example of believers in biblical times. Peter directed us to follow this pattern. Scripture Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, so that also those who do not obey the word may be won without a word by the conversation of their wives, considering your chaste conversation, which is in fear. Let their adorning not be outward with ostentatious hairdos, at wearing of gold, nor in composition of apparel, but let the interior adorning of the heart be without corruption, and of an agreeable spirit, and peaceful, which is precious in the sight of God. For after this manner in the old time the holy women also, who waited upon God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. 1 Peter 3 verses 1 through 5. A third reason for their pride is that they've forgotten the corruption of their nature. When we remember this, it keeps us humble, and when we are humble, we will be far from pride. The proud and the humble are in direct opposition. Scripture God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. James 4 verse 6 It can't even be imagined that a sensible Christian would be a proud person, because a sense of our own corruptness tends to keep us humble, not lift us up with pride, not with pride of heart, nor pride of life. But when a person begins to forget his true condition, if that is possible, Then he begins to be proud. I think it's one of the most senseless and ridiculous things in the world that a person could be proud about the very thing purposely given him to cover the shame of his nakedness. People who are proud have taken their eyes off God and His holiness. They forget God is before them, just like He is behind them. And if they'd see Him in His holiness, like he sees them in their sins and shame, they'd take little pleasure in their foolish habits. The holiness of God makes the angels cover their faces. When Christians behold it, they crumble into dust and ashes. Scripture Then I said, Woe is me, for I am dead, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the hosts. Isaiah 6, verse 5. And as His majesty is, such is His word. Therefore those who bring it to a countenance of pride abuse it. Lastly, let me address the end of those who are proud in the fanciful manner in which they adorn themselves. Why are they foregoing with hairstyles imitating a bull's forelock? with their naked shoulders and breasts hanging out like cow's udders? Why are they in favor of painting their faces, for stretching their necks, and for placing themselves under all the formalities which proud extravagance leads them to? Is it because they want to honor God? Is it because they want to enhance the gospel? Is it because they want to spruce up religion and make sinners fall in love with their own salvation? No, instead it is to please their lusts, 
to satisfy their wild and extravagant whims. I wish no one would do this, because it stirs up lust in others. In the end, they may commit sin with them. I believe whatever their end, this is one of the great plans of the devil. I also believe that Satan has drawn more into the sin of immorality by the spangling show of fine clothes than he could possibly have drawn into it without them. I wonder what the attire of a harlot was like in the old days. Certainly it couldn't be more alluring and tempting than the garments of many who profess Christ today. I like what you said very much, and I wish all the proud women in England who profess to be believers were within the reach and sound of your words. What I've said, I believe, is true. But as for the proud women in England who profess faith, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't hear them, how then can we hope they would receive anything good from such a dull-sounding ram's horn as I am? However, I've spoken my mind on the matter, and now, if it's all right with you, we'll move on to some of Mr. Badman's other doings. Now, before you move on to tell me anything else about Mr. Badman, please show me specifically the evil effects of this sin of pride. I will answer your request with all my heart. First, it is pride that makes the poor man so like the devil in hell, because in his pride he cannot be known to be the image and likeness of God. When the angels became devils, it was through their being inflated with pride. Scripture lest, being puffed up, he fall into judgment of the devil. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6 It is also pride that puffs up the heart of the sinner, and so makes him assume the very image of the devil. Second, pride makes a man so odious in the sight of God that he cannot, must not, come near his majesty. Scripture For the Lord, who is high and lifted up, looks upon the humble, but the proud he does not know. Psalm 138, verse 6. Pride sets God and the soul at a distance. Pride won't let a man come near God, nor will God let a proud man come near to him. This is certainly a dreadful thing. Third, since pride understands this, it keeps God and the soul at a distance. Scripture, God resists the proud. James 4, verse 6. God resists, that is, he opposes him, he battles against him, he condemns his person and all his accomplishments. The proud man may partake in God's ordinances, but he can't come into his presence, have fellowship with him, or receive a blessing from him. He can't, because the high God resists him. Fourth, the word says that the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Proverbs 15, verse 25. When he says he will destroy his house, it can be understood that he will destroy him and all his in the same way he destroyed proud Pharaoh, proud Korah, and many others. Fifth, when pride comes and is entertained, it is a certain indication that judgment isn't far behind. When pride goes before shame, destruction will follow. Scripture When pride comes, then comes shame. Proverbs 11, verse 2 
Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Sixth, persisting in pride makes the condition of a poor man as incurable as the condition of the devils. Scripture, lest being puffed up, he fall into judgment of the devil. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6. And this, I fear, was Mr. Badman's condition, and that was the reason he died as he did, which I'll show you soon. But what need do I have to talk about the particular actions or rather the extraordinary sins of Mr. Badman when his whole life and all his actions contributed to one massive body of sin? Instead of believing there was a God, his mouth, his life, and his actions all declared that he believed no such thing. Scripture The rebellion of the wicked saith to my heart, that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Psalm 36, verse 1. Instead of honoring God and giving glory to him for any of his mercies or any of his good provision, for God is good to all and lets his sun shine and his rain fall on the unthankful and unholy, he assigns the glory to other causes. Scripture, he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Matthew 5, verse 45. If there were mercies, he'd credit them to his own wit, efforts, care, hard work, cunning, or the like. If there were misfortunes or trials of patience, he'd consider them the product of destiny, bad luck, chance, poor management of matters, the ill will of neighbors or his wife's being religious and spending too much time in reading, praying, or the like. It wasn't his way to acknowledge God graciously or to admit his hand in things. But as the prophet Isaiah said, Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. Isaiah 26 verse 10 And again, the people did not turn unto him that smote them, neither did they seek the Lord of the hosts. Isaiah 9, verse 13. This was Mr. Badman's attitude. Neither mercies nor judgment made him seek the Lord. Another scripture says such people don't regard the Lord. Scripture. Lord, when thy hand is withdrawn, they will not see. Isaiah 26, verse 11. But beyond that, when by God's timely care Mr. Badman was cast under the best course for his soul, or as was shown before, he had a good employer, and before him a good father, and after all, a good wife. And sometimes, while on a journey, he fell into circumstances where he heard a good sermon. His heart was never stimulated to make use of any of it. Scripture the rebellious man seeks only evil. Proverbs 17, verse 11. In the land of uprightness he will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Isaiah 26, verse 10. Instead of referencing the word when he heard it preached, read, or discussed, he slept, talked about other business, or challenged the authority harmony, and wisdom of the scriptures. He'd say, how do you know them to be the word of God? 
How do you know that these sayings are true? The scriptures, he would say, are like a nose made of wax, easily turned in whatever direction a man likes. One scripture says one thing, and another says quite the opposite. Besides, they make mention of a thousand impossibilities and are the cause of all conflicts and disagreements in the land. Therefore you say what you will, but in my mind those who are most at peace have least to do with them. Instead of loving and honoring those who bear the name in their foreheads, the image of Christ in their lives, they become topics of his jests and song, and the objects of his slanders. He would rather mock their sober conduct, their gracious language, their quiet behavior, or desperately swear that they really lived a life of deceit and hypocrisy. He would endeavor to declare godly men to be as odious and contemptible as he could. And any lies they did tell, to their disgrace, those he would use as evidence that what he said was the truth. He was much like those whom the prophet speaks about who sit and slander their mother's son. Scripture Thou didst give thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frames deceit. Thou didst sit and speak against thy brother. Thou didst slander thine own mother's son. Psalm 50, verses 19 through 20. He also spoke reproachfully about his wife, even though his conscience and many others testified that she was a very virtuous woman. He also raised slanderous accusations about his wife's friends, stating their creed tended to excite lust and loose living, and that in their assemblies the men and women acted inappropriately, that they even committed moral impurity and defilement. He was much like those who declared what the apostle would say, Let us do evil that good may come, Romans 3, verse 8, or like those about whom it is thus written, Report, and we will report it, Jeremiah 20, verse 10. And in the end, if he found anything with even a hint of scandal in it, if it even came close to having anything to do with those who professed Christ, no matter how falsely, he reported it. Oh, how he'd rejoice, laugh, and be glad, as he laid the scandal against the whole party of professing believers. He'd say, Hang those rogues. Herring are no better than the barrel they're in. The two are so well matched. He'd say this to the coal merchant and finish by saying, This is your complete crew, the holy lot of them. And as a result, the coal merchant would send the entire crew home with a curse. If those who profess to be religious are wise, Mr. Badman's scrutiny in words should make them more wary and more careful in everything they do and say. You are right. When we see that people do watch for our faltering lack of confidence and rejoice to see us stumble and fall, it should make us abundantly more careful. But I think it was as delightful for Mr. Badman to hear, raise, and tell lies and lying stories about those who fear the Lord as it was for him to go to bed when weary. But for now, we'll let these things pass, because as bad as he was in these things, he was just as bad in many similar ways. For instance, he was an angry, wrathful, envious man, a man who had no idea what meekness or gentleness meant, nor did he desire to learn. His natural temperament was to be cross and rude, huffy and rough in temper, and worse. He gave in to his temper to such a degree 
that he became furious and outraged in every way, especially against goodness itself, and against other things, too, when he was displeased. Solomon said, The fool rages and is confident. Proverbs 14, verse 16. He does say that, and likewise, he says that anger rests in the bosom of fools. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9. And truthfully, if it is a sign of a fool to have anger rest in his bosom, then Mr. Badman, in spite of the conceit he showed regarding his own abilities, was a fool of no small size. For the most part, fools are wise in their own eyes. True, but what I'm saying is that if it is a sign that a man is a fool when anger rests in his bosom, then what do you think it is a sign of when hatred and envy rest there also? Because, to my knowledge, Mr. Badman was a hateful and envious man like you regularly hear about. Certainly, hatred and envy flow from pride and arrogance, and again, those flow from ignorance and ignorance from the devil. And I thought that since you spoke about the pride of Mr. Badman earlier, that we should talk about these before we move on. Yes, envy certainly flows from ignorance. And Mr. Badman was such an envious person, he'd swell with it, like a toad, as we say, swells with poison. The person he maligned might read envy in his face at any time he met with or did anything with him. His envy was so rampant and strong that if it turned against a man, it was hardly ever pulled in again. Instead, he closely watched over that man to do him harm in the same way a cat watches over the mouse to destroy it. He would wait seven years if he had to, until he found an opportunity to hurt him. When he did it, that man surely felt the weight of his envy. Envy is a devilish thing. The Scripture suggests that no one can stand before it. Scripture A stone is heavy, and the sand weighty but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is impetuous. But who is able to stand before envy? Proverbs 27, verses 3 through 4. The foulness of this envy is counted among the foulest wicked behaviors including adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, Wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. It is such a malignant corruption that it rots the very bones of the one in whom it dwells. Scripture A sound heart is life to the flesh, but envy is rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 14, verse 30 This envy is the very father and mother of a great many vast and hideous forms of wickedness. It is the very father and mother of them because it gives rise to them and also nourishes them until they come to their cursed maturity within the heart of the one who entertains them. You've described it very accurately, calling it the father and mother of a great many vast and hideous forms of wickedness, because it's so venomous and vile that it throws the whole course of nature out of order, makes it fit for nothing but confusion and a foothold for every evil thing. Scripture For where there is envy and contention, there is confusion and every perverse work, 
James 3, verse 16. For this reason, I say you rightly called it the very father and mother of a great many other sins. And now, to further clarify, I will outline some of what envy generates. 1. Envy, as I told you before, rots the very bones of the one who entertains it. 2. And as you have also hinted, it is heavier than a stone, than sand. And I will add, it falls like a millstone upon the head. 3. Therefore, it kills him who throws it, and him at whom it is thrown. Scripture. Envy consumes the covetous one. Job 5, verse 2. That is, him in whom it resides, as well as he who is its object. For it was such envy that slew Jesus Christ himself, because his adversaries persecuted him through their envy. Scripture. He knew that for envy they had delivered him. Matthew 27, verse 18. He knew that the princes of the priests had delivered him for envy. Mark 15, verse 10. 5. In all honesty, it was because of envy that Joseph was sold by his brothers into Egypt. Scripture. And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. Acts 7, verse 9. 6. Envy has had a hand in creating disputes among God's saints. Scripture. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. Isaiah 11, verse 13. 7. It is envy in the hearts of sinners that stirs them up to thrust God's ministers out of their borders. Scripture. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the principles of the city, and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their borders. Acts 13, verse 50. They were aware of it, and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycodium, and unto the region that lies round about. Acts 14, verse 6. 8. What shall I say? Envy is the very nursery of whisperings, debates, backbiting, slander, reproaches, murders, etc. It isn't possible to go over all the particular fruits of this sinful root, but it is no surprise that Mr. Badman was such a mean-spirited man, because the countless roots of all manner of wickedness were in him unashamed and unchanged. But this Mr. Badman is a rare case that in all his life he was never touched with remorse for his ill-spent life. Scripture Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceases. The words of a tail-bearer seem smooth, but they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 26, verses 20 and 22